to Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 9, Kicked in the Cabals. The book, Mall Lockdown, by Joe Schreiber. The year, 2014. Chapters 46 through 49. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Shall we let's go? everybody, welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast, where I am your host, Jeff, and I am joined, as always, by the other host, John. I'm doing great, but how's John doing? That's what the people want to know. Ooh, the people. They want to know how mm-hmm. I'm doing. Yeah, the people demand it. Well, fuck you, the people. No, I'm not going to do it. John, I gotta tell you, I understand, and I'm with you on this. Fuck to the people, that's fine. But also, I... I I hate to tell you this now because it's going to make you feel awful about what you just said, but also some dogs want to know how you're doing. Ah, ah, no, some dogs. Yeah, you're letting some dogs down. Never. Hey, some dogs. All humans, stop listening. Dogs? Okay, yeah. Between us, I'm all right. Okay, good. Wait, I mean, as a dog, I say okay, good to that. Uh, this, I'm in my dog persona at the moment. Yeah. It's fine. I know. I know that you're in full costume right now. I am. I am. I put my full costume on in that brief period of uh, time you allotted us. Those of us who have dog costumes. Those precious few. Those band of brothers. (laughs) We know each other. There are dozens of us. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and guess there's actually a lot more than dozens of people who have full dog costumes and personas. I'm going to assume probably... I don't actually know the ratio of dogs to wolves in the furry community. I mean, I feel like it's a certain type of person that's going to go like, no, I'm not a wolf. I'm a dog. And that person is me. (laughs) So if you were planning on being a furry, which I'm not saying you are or aren't, but if you were, if you're planning on it, then uh, you would be dog over, over wolf. Oh, yeah. But of course, I would be manatee over everything else. All right. So I just looked up Fur Science, which is a furry website, to try and get to the bottom of this. Uh, and I wanted to go by... Finally. Spe- I, found a, I found a chart that is species popularity as percentage of total, uh, where they did a massive survey to determine what kind of furries are most common. Uh, and at number one, edging out number two by just a little bit less than 2% is hybrids. So just like two animals at once, that's, that's yeah, kind of just the most yeah. popular. Immediately following that is wolf, with just slightly more than 14% of the population of furries as a whole being wolves, uh, a little over 10.5% being foxes, and then about 9% coming in at number four, the dog. Huh. Interesting. I, I mean, 100%, I was like, obviously, it's going to be wolf and fox. Those are going to be the two big ones. Mm-hmm. But then I yeah, thought, now, I don't know, what would be the third one? Maybe cat? Cat is at number five. Big cats, well, I guess we're saying number three because we're discounting that hybrid thing entirely. Yeah. Yeah, we're just setting that. That's just cheating. That's that's people grabbing too much. Yeah, that's bullshit. Pick one. You can't. Yeah, you pick one, damn it. Although, yeah, number number four, if, if we're following our metric, is uh, is big cats. And then it, from right there, it just falls apart. It comes dragon and mythical are the next two down from there. Not even animals. What are we doing? Uh, 
And uh, coming in at just slightly less than a percent is canine, just canine. So there's a lot of people who are like, I identify as canine, but not any one of the big three, which were all canines. Well, actually, foxes aren't, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We all know that I know that foxes aren't canines, right? I don't need to go into further detail than that. Huh? Vulpines? They're vulpine, yeah. All right. The bottom percentage, by the way, way under 1%, insect. That's the lowest, the least common type of furry. Oh, obviously. Because mm-hmm. you don't even really have your own subculture. Like, you don't even get the featheries of the scalies. At that point, you're just like, oh, it's me. I'm a, I'm a mantis. And everyone's like, See, get is... out of here. I can't <laughs> yiff that. This is my dark secret, John. I am a furry, but I only reveal myself in costume once every 17 years. Ah! And when I do, Jesus Christ, I'm noisy about it. God, <laughs> just yelling it. <laughs> people, I come out, and people are like, "Oh my God, you're a furry," and I'm like, for like an hour, and then they get mad at me. Yeah, is that what they sound like? I've never actually heard cicadas. I'm, that, I'm not from that part of the world. Uh, I've heard cicadas, and they are loud and just almost cricket-like. If you were like, "Oh, what would it be like if an entire stadium was full of crickets?" Nice. I hear that's happening right now, that Brood X is, is bothering people on, in the Mideast and East Coast. Hell yeah. So cool. I'm uh, so glad right. that I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> instead, let's talk about a Star Wars book. That's a thing that's fun to deal with. Of course. I can't believe less than 1% of people are dinosaurs. That's a, <laughs> What the hell? You'd think that most people weren't three. You'd think. I know. And yet, based on on my house, most people, or at least the loudest percentage of people, are three. Indeed. There's <laughs> there's a large percentage of people that are three. <laughs> uh, this book, op- chapter 46, we, we are hanging out with Vesto Slipper, and he is being lightly grilled by a bored security guard. Yeah, this, I'll say this chapter didn't go the direction that I thought it was, because right away... It's like, oh, Vesto Slipper's just outside the main hangar bay. And I was like, oh, this dude's going to try and get the fuck out. Oh, yeah. That he's like, because both of us know that he's Plagueis' man, right? Like, he's he works for Plagueis. And therefore, if Plagueis is currently going to get ready to sound the order to blow up the whole building, he's probably going to let his guy get out. I, I don't know for sure. Plagueis yeah. is probably an asshole. But also, like, Plagueis... If we are to believe that he believes that the weak way was uh, Radik, then it means that he doesn't need his guy there either. So, like, I assumed this was going to be a chapter where Vesta was like, oh, yes, I'm just going to inspect this hangar bay and whoop, get the fuck out. (laughs) Uh, But no. For the moment, he doesn't really want to talk to some old security guard, but he decides to humor him just because he's waiting for something to happen. So when he gets the question, which is just like, Hey, how long have you been with the IBC? And he's uh, he like, well, answers, I've always been down with IBC. Yeah. You that's, know me. <laughs> that's a fine root beer. You're talking about son. Uh, but no, he, he basically thinks for a while and just says, I've been with them for a long time. I don't have a concrete answer for you. I never will. Yes. I've been here since the bank held the loan on your operation. That's why I have to inspect the whole facility, even this part of it, with ships that I could leave on. (laughs) Now, if you don't mind, and eventually this guard, who I believe was named, what, Dawson? Uh, Yep. 
Dawson says, okay, okay, let me just punch you in, no problem. But I got to warn you, you're only going to have about an hour to get in there uh, because we're bringing in some fresh meat. Hell yeah. And it could get a little cold and dangerous in there if you're still in there when it happens. Yeah, we don't want you around when a bunch of new violent assholes get in here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Well, he punches in a code and lets him in, more or less. But right as as, uh, Slipher is about to walk into the room, a hand lands on his shoulder. And it's just Dawson, an old guy with a wiry-type mustache, avuncular, just sort of like the neighborhood dad of this prison. And he's like, hey, buddy, you see the fight? (laughs) Hey, buddy, you catch the game last night? Ooh, that fight. I hear there was fighting in that fight. And uh, Slipper's like, no, unfortunately, I did not catch the fight. And gets a quick rundown of it. It was it was Jagannath, that new guy, versus some kind of weak way. And, and it was the coolest bird. fight. And a claw bird. And it was the coolest fight yet. And this guy, Dawson, has come all the way around to being a big fan of, uh, of Jagannath and won 300 credits American on that fight. It's weird that he says that it's the best match he's seen in a while, because I'm like, man, it's not even the best match I've seen, and I've only been reading the book since Maul's been there. Yeah, I'm going to say, this is like the worst match I've seen so far. It's pretty much Maul doing everything in his power not to kill a guy, and then eventually giving up. Yeah, like, what was this fight? Uh, A guy just beat up on Jagannath for a while until he went, nah, fuck it, and killed him. Yeah, now, now, uh, (laughs) do you think that I mean, which one is the best fight so far? Because there have been four. Yeah. Which would you say I is mean, the best? I actually really liked the Aqualish fight because it was like, oh, there's there's a gimmick here. It's not just, oh, I'm getting beat up, but now i got to get my inner reserve of being more of a badass than I normally am. He was like, oh, fuck, i got to think of a way to survive this. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think my favorite for the moment uh, remains the Yuzhen Vong fight at the beginning, largely because of the tooth thing. I thought that was hilarious. Hmm. Where the Yuzhen Vong was, like, collecting teeth to replace his missing teeth. And and uh, Maul was like, fuck no, give me back my tooth. That was my tooth. That shit was uh, making me happy. I was into that. Uh, so, anyway, he, he basically gets a sense from this guy right away when he's like, hey, man, did you see the fight? I bet on that fight that... This is a useful person to know if uh, if you want to ha- take advantage of a guy who's got a gambling addiction, and obviously he does. Oh yeah, he's like, hey, you like you like gambling, huh, buddy? You wanna you mm. wanna make a little money, a little extra money, a little something on the side, a little cash on the side. And Dawson, I, I'm gonna get go ahead and give the impre- get the impression here that Dawson's not an idiot. Uh, he's been around for quite a while. He appears to be an older man here at the, in the uh, prison, so he isn't the first to jump at stupid opportunities, but he's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? What do you want to do? What do you need from me? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, as a guard here, I have to assume that he's like, if it's some stupid little thing, I don't care. I Like, it's a prison where people murder each other. If I'm like, here's some contraband, no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. But just nothing yeah. that would get me, you know murdered like the entire group of guards were <laughs> exactly i'm sure some word of that has to have spread by now maybe and uh slipper's like hey it's nothing serious no big deal basically every once in a while i might ask you to keep some secrets or something and there might be one little favor i need you to do for me down the road 
And what's that, you ask? Don't. Don't ask. Don't worry about what it might be. Yeah. yeah just a little favor, huh? A little errand. I'm just going to send you to a little, uh, little get me something, huh? Just a gopher, you know? It's fine. You don't have to know what it is, huh? That's the ticket. At least, to Dawson's credit, he's not like, well, that sounds okay, sure. He's just like, uh, all right, whatever. Just, you know. You'll give me more and maybe I'll do it. And he's like, okay, okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, then I'll be in contact with you, buddy. Bye-bye. And then he enters this big old hangar deck. And it is apparently an absolutely fucking enormous hangar deck because it takes Sliffer, a big old moon, a full five minutes to walk from one side of it to another. Yeah, he, uh, uh, he's got to spend some time going through like the uh, the catwalk up above some stuff and... Nobody seems to really give a shit that he's there, which is weird, because I understand that these are supposed to be like, ah, these are hardened fucking prison guards that have seen it all. I'm like, yeah, but this is weird. Just some banking guy walking around. You'd think you'd be like, oh, what's that guy up to? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But for the most part, everyone's just really busy down there, and anyone who sees him just sees the uniform. Uh, he is wearing the official uniform of a banking clan member, like it's like that blue and green robes thing from the movies. So most people are fairly content to just leave him the hell alone. Yeah, no, uh, and, no one bothers him. Yep. And his goal, and he actually did mention this a bit when he was talking to Dawson, he wanted to know a little bit about the types of droids that operate out of this this uh, loading facility, uh, asking how if there are any that aren't on this, the house network, because apparently most of the droids in the building are very specifically uh, networked to Dakarai and, and, and Siddiqui's command center and pretty much always report everything they're doing to that. And Dawson doesn't have any problem with answering that. He's like, hey, yeah, we have a couple of really, really old load lifter droids. Uh, they'll be out there helping for unloading the really heavy shit. Yeah, they they actually respond to the docking crew specifically like they get direct orders rather than just getting automated from the office. And he's like, ah, good. Thanks for your answer. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> no uh, reason. Then he... Yeah. <laughs> so he goes on a walk, and eventually he finds what he's looking for, one of those droids. And I like that he starts talking to the droid, and he's like, hey, buddy, you uh, you got a standard analytic drive? And the droid, until it realizes what's going on, is just like, <laughs> burn, beep. And like, you have a standard... It can talk, but it's just like, meh. <laughs> Why would I talk to you? You're a crap. <laughs> what are you, a cop? You gotta tell me. <laughs> yes, I am a cop, and I ate your cop. <laughs> uh, no, he he's just like, okay, great. Well, here's the deal. There's a, there's a bit of mail that's going to be coming in for me, and I can't have it reported to anybody. It cannot go through regular procedures. You're going to alert me the moment it comes in, and... Uh, I, I don't know, make sure it's kept safe and don't let anyone else see it. Only you're going to see it, okay? And uh, here's a code. He just has like a code word he knows. It's like, uh, hey, IBC yellow card directive 075355 or something like that. And the droid just brightens up and is like, yes, sir. Yeah, because before this, every time he was like, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Ugh. And then as soon as he's like, hey, by the way, here's my special code that means I actually am important. It's like, oh my, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And apparently, <laughs> the uh, The deal appears to be that 
the just about every droid that's not networked to the core facility in the uh, in this place or part of a a, uh, a recycle or refit still has leftover banking clan root level secret codes on it. I mean, I assume the other ones also have them. It's just that would go through to the network. Mm-hmm. So they Where would be able to see, like, oh, someone used a code on this robo. Yeah. Uh, so he's found one where he doesn't have to deal with that. Indeed. And that's that's the end of that chapter. Our next mm-hmm. chapter is Maul being the biggest dumbass ever. Oh, boy, is Maul ever depressed. He's a sad Darth Maul. Oh, no. He's an idiot Darth Maul. Well, I mean, he wakes up sad because he's like, okay, I, I'm still in the situation I thought I was worried about, which is that I have killed Iram Radik. Now what am I going to do? Why am I? Why are they even be bringing me back to life? Oh, boy. Like, he is kind of making a little bit of plans about contacting Sidious and, I guess, begging to apologize and everything. Yeah, I mean, he is, he's like, you know, I didn't really have any other choice because it's not like dying would fulfill the mission either. And he's like, well, I guess, I guess I can try and call Sidious if he even, you know, will talk to me. I assume he is probably going to do the Mission Impossible disavow all knowledge thing. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, you know, he, he hears a noise in the darkness of the med bay that he is recovering alone in and opens his eyes and there's a claw bird. Yeah. And he's like, I, he's just like, no, no, I killed you, you claw bird. You can't wait. No, that doesn't make sense. I'm not that stupid. Wait, hold on. Oh, hey, look, and then there's a second bird and a third, and oh, this whole room is full of fucking claw birds. And I love that he sees them, sees that they have those little, uh, like, kipus, the strings with knots in them, and he's like, oh, yes, of course, I understand now, and not... I understand I didn't kill the actual Irem Radik, and these are all of his clawbirds that are still alive. Instead, he jumps to the, you keep what you kill. Obviously, these clawbirds are now mine because they understand Riddick rules. Yeah, I love this, where he's just like, well, I killed the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. I have become the pigeon lady. Yeah, clearly, these birds know somehow that I killed their master, even though only one was there and I killed that bird. And now they're here because I am their lord and master. That's how things work in my mind. Darth Maul, I'm a big dumb idiot. He really is. And then the birds basically lead him on a merry chase. And he is completely on board to just go with them. They're they're just like, oh yeah, okay, because gonna- they're his now. Yeah, they're his birds, and they're obviously taking him to the big clubhouse that they built for him. You know, the one that, where oh, there's yeah. an ice cream cake. Clearly, these birds want to throw him a party because he's now in charge. Because, again, Chronicles of Riddick rules. <laughs> I heard they got a stand-up Street Fighter machine in there, and it's the one where you can play as Akuma. He's got to go with them. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, anyway, he, he follows them along and at first they just lead him right down the maid promenade of the prison. So he's just being led between all these other people, uh, <laughs> the, the, the other prisoners, several guards, just following along behind a big old flock of birds. And most people are getting out of his way because they're just scared of whatever the hell this is. They don't want to be a part of this. And, uh, I love 
Then it says, like, ooh, some are even lowering their heads as if recognizing some newly coronated ruler. I'm like, no, they're putting their heads down because a fucking flock of claw birds are flying above them. And it's you, Jagannath, the guy who just keeps killing all the most powerful people in the prison. No one wants to make eye contact with you anymore. For some reason, he's like, ah, yes, now I'm the Iron Radik, and I cannot <laughs> get over it. I mean, I appreciate the idea that he might actually be the Iram Radik now, but of course we know he isn't. No, because his ju- his conclusions that he jumps to are astounding. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's had a really bad day. <laughs> so he leads them down a uh, a long. Uh, I'm sorry. They lead him down a long trail of various co- corridors of different widths and narrownesses and danger levels all the way through huge sections of the, of the place that he's never seen before, or even knows what they are for just a long, long, long time following along behind these birds. And then all of a sudden, uh, they lead him to a room and it's a room he's never seen before. And, uh, right as he gets there, someone says, Oh, Hey, come on in. Hey, Jagannath. Welcome to the inner circle. Uh, (laughs) to the, yeah, and uh, he, uh, this chapter ends, but we, right as it's ending, we do get to know that the room is basically full of weapons. So he's found that room that Smite found a few chapters ago, thanks mm. to these birds. I mean, we don't, but that's fine. You can say oh, whatever you want. No one, a- am I no one can tell you otherwise, except for me. Am I le- yeah, I don't know why you insist on correcting me, John. They're rubes. They'll buy whatever I say. Oh, I know, but I'm looking out for the consumer. I mean, given that you've told me that some of our uh, listeners are dogs, I have to look out for them in their best interest. Dogs don't care if you lie to them. They just they just care if you say it in a pleasant way, which is why it's so important that you say you. you're fine. <laughs> you can lie to dogs. I lie to dogs all the time. Lying to dogs is fun. <laughs> I go up to dogs and I'm like, hey, dog, everything is fine, <laughs> but it's not Okay. <laughs> See, that's exactly right. You have to soften your the the, uh, the the impact before it hits the dog. You're just like me, except you like dogs a little more. <laughs> We're not so different, you and I. Mm-hmm. Both of us enjoy a fine double handful of dog. <laughs> uh, all right, where were we? Uh, so what's actually happening instead, then? If you're so, so we smart. head out to uh, the space outside Coghive 7, where... A custom Ubrikian space yacht has dropped out of hyperspace, and it is a minstrel-class yacht christened the Star Jewel. Oh, yes, and it's flanked by six Z-95 headhunters, which right away, if you've played any of the X-Wing game, tells you that this Star Yacht is some sort of mercenary ship. <laughs> it's, a, it's a scum and villainy is what it is. Oh, yes, and it's... As opulent as it is lethal. Mm. <laughs> uh, and, it, oh yeah, it's completely overdone with every kind of possible amenity draped all over it. It's basically made out of cool crystals and gemstones. And uh, as we zoom inside to take a look, we learn that it's called the Star Jewel and that it's 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 Jabba ship. Yeah, and he has like a super top-of-the-line hyperdrive. He has an ass load of fucking turbo cannons this thing is loaded for bear but also is pretty much just 
a floating space version of his throne room on Tatooine. Mm -hmm. It sounds a little nicer than his Tatooine throne room, but pretty much, I think everywhere Jabba goes, he just has a a, a, a throne room with him. Oh, yeah. If he's going to go somewhere, he's like, well, I got to have a throne with me, and then I've got to, of course, have dancers and a pit where I can put people to fight and Mm -hmm. all sorts of dumb nonsense and hangers on. Like, if I don't have all of this, am I even a hut? Yeah, obviously. And uh, obviously, the uh, spaceship's a little small to have a Rancor pit, so instead he's got some, like, Kel dragons, uh, which are which are presumably much smaller and basically more or less like hut dogs. Yeah, he's got he's got a little, like, uh, gladiator pit rather than a full Rancor pit, and then he's just got a couple, like, mean tiny dragons that sit next to his throne. Yeah, exactly. And he's feeling right at home. He's happy. He's happy to be here. And uh, as he's pulling up around outside of Coghive 7, his first order... Oh, and of course, the, the uh, throne room on this thing is also full of random alien hangers-on. He's got assassins and bounty hunters and random enforcers and so on just scattered throughout because this is a guy who pretty much always travels with the exact same posse. Oh, yeah. He just... If he doesn't have a, like complete miniature replica of his throne room everywhere. He's like, I don't feel at home. This is weird. Yeah, exactly. I gotta and have so, some turkey neck vampire out here or else I'm gonna feel all uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at this point, he calls out an order to have the engines powered down, the turbo lasers powered down, and just bring the entire ship to a dead halt so it gives off no thermal signatures at all. Yeah, they're just going on to, you know, quiet mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you may find yourself wondering why, and you're not alone in that, because another person who's wondering why is his pilot, uh, a guy by the name of Scuppa. Oh, Scuppa. Scuppa. I like that Scuppa basically gets to be the court jester of this, in that he can say whatever the fuck he wants, and Jabba doesn't immediately kill him for it. Yeah, and it makes it makes sense for the most part, because he is Jabba's, like, number two on the ship, and he's the pilot of the ship, so... Obviously, you want to keep him alive. I but, mean, uh, I get it. It's just interesting real... that he doesn't even go like, oh, how dare you speak to me like that? Because Scuppa straight up comes out and he's like, that was dumb. You shouldn't turn off the lasers. <laughs> I mean, the real question I have is, what the hell is Scuppa? Scuppa sounds like a good hut name, but at no point throughout this chapter do we get a species t- tag on this guy. Oh, no. Scuppa's, I assume Scuppa's a guy, just a regular old human dude. Scuppa It'd be weird Mabuki. if he had a hut pilot, yeah. But but who knows? We we At the moment, we have no idea what Scuppa is. Uh, it just, I, I assume he could potentially be a hut, but that should just not be the case, because huts don't usually like each other. No, and huts are all, I mean, because this is Star Wars, every hut leads their own gang, so no hut is going to be like, yeah, I'm the fucking chauffeur for another hut. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I just looked him up, and, and we will never learn his species. Good. <laughs> you can't know, and you never will. All right, well, anyway, he's just like, hey, calm down, Scuppa. It's not a big deal. Cool shit's about to happen. You get ready and watch. Okay, but, like, why did we power down the turbo lasers? Because we're waiting for a prison barge, and if they get here... And they shoot at us, we will be fucked. And he's like, oh, don't worry, that won't happen. Patience, my friend. I have everything all thought out. I'm Jabba the Hutt. 
Yeah, nothing bad happens to Jabba to... the Hutt. <laughs> Certainly not yet. And one thing we do learn in this chapter is that Jabba is well over 600 years old. Yep. So obvi- obviously his days of stra- being strangled by his, by his uh, sex dancers are not yet behind him. Indeed, he's still right, got <laughs> the worst is yet to come. <laughs> but he's just been, there's even a little section here where he's it's described it. Oh, I'm okay with taking a little bit of shit from Iron from not Iron Boutique from from Scuppa. I mean, come on, I can let shit like that bounce off my thick wormy hide. He's he's a good working officer. Yeah, although he's like, oh, don't worry, we're not going to get taken out by the prison barge because I I dispatched all our Z95s to go, you know, locate them before they find us. And Scup is just like, that is also stupid. Now we don't even have bodyguards <laughs> and our lasers are down. God damn it, Jabba. <laughs> Please stop worrying, my friend. It's not a big deal. Uh, but anyway, what he's Come doing here, you watch this might dumb wonder. pit fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. There's a Gamorrean fighting a, what, a something blood eater? A dwarf Oskin blood eater. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he's a, like a Dungeons and Dragons dwarf who eats Oskin blood? Yes. Or a dwarf Oskin who eats who eats blood, or I don't know. I mean, or maybe someday someone that we'll find out. Only right. eats dwarf Oskin blood. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> we don't know, but we know what he's fighting. A Gamorian guard. Yeah. Classic. And especially psychopathic one, apparently. And you know, not really the best fight ever because it's just like a few seconds and the Blood Eater just opens up a gash on the Gamorrean's face and straight latches on like a leech and is like, ooh, blood, neat. Well, I guess that answers our question about what he eats. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that Gamorrean is not a dwarf Oskin. Or he might be. I don't know that much about Gamorreans. Yeah, his name might be Oskin. Yeah. D. Oskin, they call him. What's the D stand for? Don't worry about it. Probably dwarf. Probably. Uh, anyway, what's Jabba doing out here? Well, he didn't really have any kind of particular attachment to those guards he had sent into this prison earlier, but he sure is grumpy that they were murdered right in front of him. That felt kind of like an insult. Oh, yeah. And he honestly didn't even super care about Iron Radik to begin with. He's like, look, I've been around for 600 years. If some human shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm... I'm selling arms. Then Jabba's like, it's fine. I take the long view. You'll cut a little bit into my profit for, you know, a few years, then grow too big for your britches, fuck up, get murdered, and then everything will go back to the way it was, and I won't have to waste, you know, time and energy and money trying to get rid of you. Instead, I'm just going to outlive you. Yeah, and apparently he's done this a bunch of times before and it always plays out the same way uh he he just lets him go for a while because unlike him he's smart enough to stay just a little less than too famous for the entire galaxy he watches as they all burn up and flare out oh yeah and he's like eventually all of these guys end up you know selling to the wrong gang or making a deal that they can't make good on and just getting in over their heads and getting wrecked by it I am a smart businessman. I just need to do the business that I do, not try and go to war with every single person that, you know, threatens my business at all. I will just be a cool, calm, and collected worm that loves to be a pervo. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, the thing he cannot let stand is an insult by a lady because, ooh boy, is Jabba a big old misogynist. Oh yeah, he's quite grumpy about this whole situation and he plans to see it. He, he had originally been like, all right, well, I'll figure this out after I can figure out how to bankrupt Coghive 7. It's been a real problem for me. It's got nothing to do with actual Coghive or Siddiqui. It's all about uh, uh, prizing out that, that Iram Radik guy from this situation because he's muscling in on my turf. But now I don't care anymore. I'm just going to blow up the whole prison. Yeah, there was there was a lady that embarrassed me by killing my guys, and so that can't stand. Mm-hmm. Stupid ladies. And, uh, <laughs> so he's he is definitely uh, d- just got that plan going. He basically just orders everyone off the flight deck and hangs around waiting for something cool to happen. And we get a good pithy line that I don't quite understand just yet, where it's like, and the entire flight deck was cleared. No one was there except the dragons. Mm. Who, by the well, way, yeah. are starved to be extra hungry right now. Yes, and I assume it's because, you know, once the prison transport shows up, the purge, which is mm-hmm. great, uh, he's like, oh, okay, uh, don't, like, identify yourself when the prison barge calls, don't respond to them at all, because we've got some stupid plan where he has sent all of his, like, mercenaries and guards and all of his badasses down to the armory to go suit up, because I assume they're going to do a boarding action so that they can take the prison ship and then, you know, like, board Coghive 7, is my assumption. That'd be the... that. Why else would you bring all these hangers on other than more or less just to show off? Oh, yeah. I mean, the main assumption is, ooh, I wanted my weird little dragons to be all hungry because... I'm going to feed the lady that embarrassed me to them. That'll show her to be female. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised he isn't just planning to turbo laser the whole thing from orbit, but whatever, this plan's going to be way more fun. Now we've got a whole bunch more factions running around in the prison all at once. Yeah, I mean, I assume he's like, all right, the prison itself probably has a full defense system and the amount of damage he could do from you know, his one ship and some Z-95s is not enough that he would not also get fucked up. Plus, you know, the IBC has a stake in it, so if he can take it out from the inside, then it'll just look like Coghive 7 fucked up and had a riot rather than Jabba did it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it's time to jump back over to what's going on with Darth Maul, who was just greeted by an unusual person. He had never... or he hadn't seen before, in a room he'd never seen before either. Indeed. Now, he is in a, you know, big weapon shop with a whole bunch of workspace, but unlike when Smite got here, and it was just Smite alone in the weapon candy shop, there's mm-hmm. actually people here. Yeah, and it's not just, uh, it, it's not just, excuse me, it's not just Festo Sliffer. Also, Coil and Zero are here. Yeah, I mean, at first it's just Vesto's like, hey, yeah, come on in. Have a look around. What's going on? Hey, you're like, welcome to I don't know who the fuck you me. are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, well, let me introduce myself. I'm Vesto Sliffer. Honestly, you and I probably have a lot more in common than you'd think we would. <laughs> you and I, we're not so different. <laughs> Uh, 
I just got here myself. Certainly, we have a chance to take a look around. And uh, after the quick bit of introduction, Maul looks around, and there's a whole bunch of people in here working at assembly tables, building weapons. Oh, yeah. Just huge, long assembly line of, you know, humans and aliens just sitting there putting stuff together by sense of touch. None of them are actually looking at what they're doing. They're just grabbing pieces, putting it together, and moving it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, Han... Or, why am I saying, God, I'm so distracted by nothing. I have my eyes closed, even. Darth Maul notices that it's be- the reason they aren't looking at anything is because they have no eyes. Oh, yeah. They just have been, like, had their eyes hollowed out because I guess they were, like, working for Radik and losing my eyes is a better deal than not working for Radik and possibly getting into a fight where I will die. Yeah, and he remembers back to when the earliest chapters of this book, when he first entered the mess hall, seeing a whole table of eyeless blind prisoners groping at their food, which I assume that you and I just skipped right over. Ooh, I mean, this sure put, put one over on I, us. I was going to say, I don't remember that. I feel I would have remembered that. But sure, huh. whatever, Maul, you definitely saw that. Yeah, I guess so. He just forgot to mention it to us. And he's like, I get it. Uh, that's the safest thing you could do in here is, is let it be known that you're working for Iron Radik, you're under his protection, and all it costs you is your eyes. Oh, yeah. And even now, even at this point, where he's like, oh, a secret room, and uh, the clawbirds led me here, and the operation is still going oh. on, he's like, huh, I wonder why these guys are still putting stuff together. I mean, I killed Radik. He's not alive. I'm like, God damn it, Maul. Put two and two together. I guess they're putting stuff together for me. And he even, he even vocalizes this. He's like, he's like, what is even going on in here? Radik is dead. I have killed him. And oh, the other thing he notices at this point is that Smite is in here and tied up. Yeah, he's like, huh, neat. That guy's over there and looks kind of fucked up, but I don't care because fuck him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically what happens is uh, Slipper says like, hey, you know, Smite must have stumbled his way in here, and I'm sure Radik doesn't want him to get out and spread the word. Uh, even that, Obviously, he's not trustworthy. And this is when Maul finally goes, I killed Radik. He was that weak way. He's dead now. And Slipper has to be like, oh, come on, buddy. No, he's not. You didn't fucking kill him. What is wrong with you? That's one of his dozens of spare guys you can kill. Like... He has a whole bunch of proxies. I mean, he's not going to be even remotely close to being able to be put into a fight. Yeah, and honestly, the thing I find myself wondering is, do you think they force these eyeless prisoners to fight? No, that's, I assume, like I said, the whole point is, you essentially sign a contract with Radik, which is, all right, you get my eyes and my service, but I don't have to get into the blood sport. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I wonder, that must mean that uh, that he's got some sort of very strong connection to the higher-ups that he can actually just take a significant chunk of the prison population and render them non-valuable. Oh, yeah, because he's very clearly Daiquiri. Oh, well, I mean, yes, I think it's very clear that he is Daiquiri. Well, I'm not going to say he's Daiquiri uh, yet, but I will say he probably has Daiquiri in his pocket. No, it's Daiquiri. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, at this point, while Maul's still reeling from, like, obviously you didn't kill Radik, you moron, uh, Slipper asks him, hey, by the way, have you noticed what they're building in here yet? Oh, weapons? 
not just weapons, lightsabers. <laughs> you know that I dumb was... dream you had where there was like a lightsaber in a box? Huh? Maybe it has something mm-hmm. to do with that. <laughs> I know about your dumb dreams, Maul. I put it there. It's a banking clad secret. <laughs> I incepted you, Maul. <laughs> You've been incepted by a moon. Hmm? Anyway, uh, moon, the, uh, Sliffer walks over to one of the tables and picks up a big old crystal. And he's like, look, they've invented synthetic lightsaber crystals. Imagine the power contained in even a single one of these. They must have some sort of heat compressor down in here they're using to form these automatically. Now, this makes me wonder, does that mean that, is this the invention of the synthetic lightsaber crystal, or is this just the invention of synthetic lightsaber crystals for Radik? I assume this is the invention of a synthetic lightsaber crystal. Yeah, I was going to say, because the whole story with the crystals in lightsabers is that good guy Jedi go out and find them in hard-fought places and in the like gullets of dragons and shit like that, where, for whatever reason, bad guy Jedi, Sith are just like, nah, we'll just make them, fuck it. You'd I think mean, they'd be the ones who'd want to go out and do murder and pillaging and property damage to get their lightsabers built because they're Sith, but instead they're, like, very efficient and they just make fake crystals. I mean, that's not entirely true. The whole point of them being red is because they corrupt standard Jedi crystals. Oh, I mean, that depends on which version of the origin story of lightsaber crystals you're reading. Uh, there's one of them that where Sith crystals are all corrupted good guy crystals. There's another one where they're just fake crystals that always seem to turn out red. Well, I think the truth is somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly, it probably is. They keep making fake crystals, and they come out in every color, but then they get corrupted to red because of the evilness of Sith. I'm so evil. Even eviler. <laughs> anyway, anyway, at this point, fucking Coil and Zero show up. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, hey, motherfucker, <laughs> what's happening? And Maul's like, wait a minute, I poisoned... Oh, god damn it, that's right, Coil gave me the poison. Yeah, and even then, <laughs> uh, Zero's like, yeah, also, I would have known if you had put any poison in my food. Do you really think that you could put stuff in my food without me finding out about it? I'm very powerful. <laughs> I am Zero. If you did anything to tamper with my shit, I would immediately know. Yeah. And uh, they're both just sort of like, hey, so anyway, buddy, this is when you die. Uh, You know too much, obviously. So we're going to kill you. And let me just grab a blaster real quick, get that (laughs) taken care of. And then Maul goes, they don't work, do they? And and everyone's like, what are you talking about? And Maul, I guess using pure intuition or force knowledge or something is like the lightsaber crystals. They're fucked, aren't they? They don't work. I mean, I assume... He knows just from seeing some crystals in his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? They're about to kill you anyway. You might as well throw some shit at the wall and see if you're right. Yeah. But, I mean, they're just like, uh, no? <laughs> nope. They work perfectly fine. Uh, anyway, let's get right back to killing you. And Maul's like, well, then you won't mind using one of those to kill me, will you? If they work great, why don't you kill me with a lightsaber? Go ahead, instead of a blaster, let's kill me with one of these fresh new sabers, please. Yeah, here's my throat. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. turn it on, and hit me with it. That sounds like a fun time, don't you think? (laughs) And uh, for whatever reason, they decide to humor him. You'd think, given the efficiency of this gang, they'd just shoot him. 
But no, they're like, all right, well, we'll have Smite do it. Hey, Smite, come here. We're going to cut you loose, give you a lightsaber, and you get to carve up Darth Maul. Yeah, here you go. Here's your chance. You've been just absolutely fucking traumatized to a incredible degree. And uh, here, we're going to let you take all of your fucked up aggression and anger and all of your sadness and everything that's happened to you and let you just kill this guy who's been kind of a bossy dick to you. Uh, yep. And uh, one thing that's worth noting is before they untie Smite, they said Coil over to get him. And Coil doesn't just untie him. Coil picks him up and flings him over one shoulder and marches him back over like nothing. And just as a reminder, oh, yeah. if you may have forgotten about this from a long time ago, uh, Smite is a human and Coil is a Chadra fan. Yes, indeed. Coil is he's, way stronger than you might think for a little bat person. He's a little tiny Batman. He's like three feet tall. He's like a baby Batman. <laughs> he's little baby Batman. He's a bat mite. <laughs> I'm the one who rattles the cages. <laughs> he says all the time, probably. Probably. But whatever. He is all muscle in there. So now I definitely want to see him get in a fight. <laughs> Be rad as hell. But they cut Coil loose, they give him a lightsaber, and he looks crazy. I mean, he's had a rough couple of days. He's watched all of his old guard buddies get scooped out like ice cream. He watched a giant worm eat all the people who did all the scooping. And then he found this weird room and was like, okay, I guess I found some weapons. And that's when he got caught by Iram Radik and his, his cabal and just tied up for a day or two. He, is, he has lost his mind. Plus all the, oh, yeah. the spice withdrawal can't have been helping either. No, when they give him that lightsaber, he just gets full crazy eyes, turns it on, and he's like, yes! And immediately, there's something wrong with it. As soon as it turns on, Maul's like, that blade's too small, and it's got a whole bunch of random wild energy coming out of it. That's a problem. You've got way too narrow of a blade there. That's not gonna, that's not gonna pleasure anyone when it kills them. <laughs> it's all about the girth of your lightsaber blade. Oh, yeah, you got weird crackles and hisses you got mm -hmm. skeins of plasma going up on there it's uh it's no good you're gonna have to replace <laughs> the whole unit <laughs> that smite raises the lightsaber to kill him and the lightsaber curls around and cuts smite's face off yeah the lightsaber itself ends up essentially acting as if it is like a mon monofilament whip as when he, like, tries to move it forward, it just bends back and hits him. Mm-hmm. And even as he's like, ah, oh, shit, what the fuck? And he tries to whip it away from himself. It just keeps whipping and bending around, and it cuts him to ribbons. By the He's already dead by the time he drops it. And even while he's dropping it, it's still cutting him up some more. He lands in a wet, messy pile. Oh, yeah. Just as soon as he starts going with that, and the saber beam begins like, whipping around, there's no stopping it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> collapses in a heap, and Maul's like, yeah, see, what did I tell you? Your lightsaber crystals are no good. Yeah. You know what? Your fucking synthetics suck ass. I could fix so it, he, though. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, anyway, basically, Maul's like, well, Mr. Radik isn't gonna be pleased with that, and... He's the first thing he says is, "Well, I can fix this. I know how to fix this. What you want me to fix it for you?" How, and they're like, "How the fuck would you know how to fix it?" And I find it endlessly amusing that at this point, none of them have put two and two together about who and what he is. 
Yeah, I mean, he hasn't used any of his ridiculous, you know, Sith powers or anything. No. So, as far as they know, he's just a super badass mercenary. I keep thinking that maybe Sliffer knows who he is. But why would he say anything at this point? Because we know Plagueis wasn't really keeping him up to date on what was going on with Maul. That's true. He might not know. I would have figured he'd just kind of figured it out by now, especially because he was like, hey, you're not so different, you and I, uh, when when he met him in the first place, because obviously the two of them were both sent in here by evil Sith Lords to su- uh, suss out details. Yeah, but, you know, he's not a Sith, so... Any- <laughs> At this Why point, would he assume the other guy sent in is? That's a good point. You gotta, you gotta go. He might not even know that Plagueis is a Sith. Who knows? Who could possibly know? He might... I mean, he probably just thinks... Oh, yeah. No, the head of the fucking banking clan told me to come in here and find Radik. I'll do that then. Yeah. Now, uh, at this point, for the first time ever, a light, a, a uh, loudspeaker crackles to life in this room, and a voice comes booming out over it, and it's a voice that is resonant, and everyone hears it, and everyone pays attention to it. And you know what, John? In an argument in your favor, no one's ever heard Dakarai talk. Maybe he's got a badass voice. That's the point, is because he does have to give some instructions over a speakerphone, he needs to make it so that if anyone sees him in person, they never hear his voice, so they can't connect the two. Hmm. Too obvious. I still think it's the worm. (laughs) Anyway, like, Maul just says, oh, the reason I know how to fix this is because I killed a Jedi once and I took apart his lightsaber and figured out how to reverse engineer it. And I know everything that's doing that, like that can go wrong with it. Yeah. And Zero's like, mm, nah, I'm still going to shoot you. And that's when the uh, loudspeaker comes on and it's just like, stop. Yeah. Cause they're like, you can fix it. And Maul just holds up the crystal to everybody. And is like, yeah, look, you didn't cook this long enough or hard enough. It's weak. It's shitty. Watch this. And he throws it on the ground and smashes it under his boot. He's like, see? Totally worthless. A real lightsaber crystal wouldn't crack like that. I can show you how to fix them, but I want something, Radik, and you know what I want, and it's the only way I'll fix this for you. Let's make a deal. Yeah. And there's basically a beat. Mm-hmm. Everyone just kind of waits around, and then eventually... silence. It <laughs> The loudspeaker just goes... Eh, kill him. And that's the end. Yeah. Zero pulls the trigger. End of chapter cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Is Maul so, dead? It's not a very useful cliffhanger because no one thinks he's dead. <laughs> After all, this story is set before the only movie that Darth Maul is in. Uh, I love that in all of these different books where they're like, well, we have to end like all of the chapters on some kind of cliffhanger. Oh, what if we killed the main character? You didn't. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're so close now. We've got all the pieces are in place. There's a little bit of the book left. We are soon going to find out so many interesting details. Yeah, we've got a Jabba invasion incoming. We've got the reveal of Radik. We have almost Certainly, I would assume Maul escaping with a nuke. Maybe the Bandogora are going to show up. 
Ooh, man, if we could get Bando Gora versus Dav- uh, like Jabba the Hutt and shit, yeah, that would be good stuff. Yeah, uh, I assume there's going to be a lot of dumb shit, and my hope is that during this, we also get a lot of Siddiqui just fucking with the prison to, like, murder people using the fact that the prison can move. Oh, yeah, that'd be great if the prison walls are, like, cutting people in half and shit, and then eventually she screws up the order and accidentally opens up a hole beneath herself and falls into the gladiator pit with the worm or something. Oh, yeah, she's like, well, it's time for me to make my escape and opens, like, a hole in the wall at her uh, office and is like, this will take me right to the hangar bay, but then meets the worm in there. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect shit. I hope it all happens and then also some other stuff. Clearly, all of this will happen. Our wild conjecture has never been wrong. I still say he's the worm. Anyway, as always, folks, if you want to find out more details about awesome Star Wars stuff, why don't you go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash systemmastery, and support us at the $2 level, where you will unlock bonus content called Expanded Expounded Universe, where we make deep forays into Wikipedia. We almost had to pause when they had when they were about to hold that dumb vote about whether or not they should dead name people, but that has all been cleared up. Um, so it's Hooray! safe for us to go back in there. Uh, there was even a second wave where we thought it wasn't going to be cleared up, and then that was cleared up. It's all cleared up. Yeah. Turns out that, you know, a lot of those people who were assholes and were like, nah, <laughs> fuck the trans people, were also just real big shitheads in their normal life. Who would oh, have thought? Did you see that shit? They, one of the two guys that they kicked out, because they haven't kicked out a forum mod from Wikipedia in forever, as far as I can tell, but one of the two guys they kicked, they kicked out, someone looked him up, and he was straight up an unabashed, full full frontal white supremacist. Yep. Motherfucker, job, get guys. the shit out of my Star Wars. <laughs> uh. Man, what a tool. Anyway, uh, Wikipedia for now is safe, hopefully, so we're going to go find stories about dumb shit from Star Wars history and tell them to each other and to you, and you can be a part of that, not just for this episode, but for hundreds of episodes going back for years by joining us now at the $2 level. $2 buys you the whole access. That's right. Let you jump right in. You can get the stuff from this, go back through all the archives. Not only that... It also unlocks all of our bonus content from our uh, making characters for System Mastery. So you'll get a whole bunch of us going through the character creation process for a bunch of different games and making goofy pun and reference characters and Mm -hmm. some very interesting, you know, original ideas as well. It's all super fun. And if you want to just just add a little more zhuzh to it. You can go to the $5 level. You unlock everything. You get our TV mastery where we're watching The Littlest Hobo, which is the best show that has ever been on the air. And we our have... archive of that where we watch uh, Smallville, which blech, okay. And you also get our monthly afterthought. You get everything. You get access to special secret rooms in our Discord. It's amazing. So much good stuff. And you can find that at patreon.com slash system mastery. Join us today, won't you? Uh, Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you real soon with yet more exciting, expanded, expounded universe type content. And until we do, I've been Elan Sleezbogiano. And I've got to go wash my cabal. <laughs>